Blog Talk Radio. Think Jim Brown on an effort like this. He goes over the top and into the end zone for his fifth touchdown of the day. Have you ever seen an image of strength? Like this. A picture of power. Like this. A portrait of courage. Like this. Ask yourself these questions. Because the answers tell you how superhuman this man really was. Ask yourself these questions. Because his whole life, that's what Jim Brown was about. We cannot make exceptions to these laws just because a person happens to be black or white. Forcing the world to ask why things were the way they were. And how the rest of us could force change. This is Jim Brown. We have power. see nobody knocking. Look at the camera. From the studio of Mountain Meadow Productions and Sports Beat Radio, this is Sports Beat, a provocative, insightful, informative, and educational show that we hope will educate the sports listener to the specific of sports. With interviews, analysis, and a comprehensive look at the topics we feel will be appealing to the listener, and with that said, we're not just your average call-in, same subject, same question over and over sports radio, but we like to think of ourselves as informative and educational radio. So why not sit back and for the next 30 minutes or so, we hope you'll find the program informative, educational, and above all, enjoyable. And with that said and done, this is Sportsbeat, and we're coming at you live. And I'm your host, John Spooler. So everybody, welcome to this May 22nd, Monday, the first, actually second day of the week. Sunday is actually the first day, if you didn't know that. May 22nd, 2023, and thanks again for watching and listening to another segment of Sports Beat Radio Talking Sports. And today we're going to be giving our tribute to, you know, probably one of the greatest athletes of all time. He's up there, he's got to be up there in the top five or ten, and that was uh, the late, as they say, great. Jimmy Brown, number 32, who actually epitomized that number, I think. We did a show not long ago about uh, what was the most iconic number in sports, and it came out to be 32. You know, we had Magic Johnson and, you know, so many great players who wore the number 32, Jim Brown, of course, and his passing um, at 87 years old uh, late last week. Uh, left yet another indelible mark of all the heroes that most of us grew up with in the 60s. Now, I watched football in the 60s. I started to watch it probably about 63, 64. So Jim Brown only played till about 65 or 6. He didn't play that long. He only played eight or nine years. And uh, 13,000 plus yards. At one point, he was the rushing leader with 1,832 yards. Um, quite a gentleman in a time when, uh, you know, the African-American black man was not greatly honored. Uh, and, you know, it always amazes me because uh, if you watch footage of Jim Brown after the games, uh, you know, that was when the fans could come down on the field and 
they would absolutely surround him, patting him on the shoulders, hitting him on the helmet, and yet, you know, you couldn't eat in the same restaurant, which always amazed me. You know, it's, what have you done for me lately? And a lot of times, you know, police would be, uh, probably 20 cops would be around Jim Brown as he uh, left the Cleveland Municipal Field. So we're going to be talking about Jim Brown, the great, great running back. And, you know, the thing that he did, as we had said before, what makes great, great players, and that is players who revolutionize the game of football or a game of whatever game they're playing. You know, George Mikan and, and uh, Will Chamberlain revolutionized it. Jimmy Brown revolutionized football. Uh, you know, there were others, but he was the prominent one. Hockey, Maurice Michard, uh, you know, revolutionized the game of uh, the NHL. And uh, in baseball, Babe Ruth and, uh, you know, Ty Cobb and Pete Rose and all of those great players revolutionized the way uh, the game was played, particularly when they make rule changes. So Jimmy Brown was a lot of things to a lot of people. Uh, he was kind of like, uh, I would say, Muhammad Ali in a sense, where uh, he was loved and yet hated uh, because he had, you know, quite a bit of, um, let's say, uh, things to say, just like Jackie Robinson did uh, later on. Uh, after he retired, Jackie Robinson had been outspoken for uh, African-American players and so forth. And uh, at one of the All-Star games said, one day I vision a black manager standing at third base. And, of course, he didn't live long enough to see uh, black managers today in baseball. And, of course, that's another situation. But yet, when we look at uh, Jimmy Brown, he was, you know, a lot of things to a lot of people, and uh, that's what we wanted to talk about uh, today. And so when we look at it, uh, what can we say about this guy? He was, a, he was a true athlete in the sense of the word because he uh, would be a great football player. He would be a great basketball player on our on our show here you can see the um, pictures of Jim Brown wearing a basketball jersey he went to Syracuse and he was an American football fullback kind of uh, uh, an obsolete position today particularly that the game is so pass oriented he was a civil rights activist, which a lot of people didn't like, and then he was an actor. He played for the Browns uh, from 57 to 65, and he's considered to be one of, if not the greatest running back of all time, as well as one of the greatest players in the NFL. He was a Pro Bowl invitee every season he was in the league. He was recognized as the AP NFL most valuable player three times. He won an NFL championship with the Browns in 64, which is the last time they won. And he led the league in rushing yards in eight of his nine seasons, and by the time he retired, he held most major rushing records. And in 2002, he was named the Sporting News as the greatest professional football player ever. And that's really saying something when you say forever. So he earned unanimous All-American honors at Syracuse, where he was an all-around player for the Orangeman football team. The team retired his number 44. He was the 44 then. We do have a picture of him on our site wearing that number, I believe. And he was uh, inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1995. He was also widely considered one of the greatest lacrosse players of all time. 
and the Premier Lacrosse League MVP award is named in his honor. Brown also excelled in basketball, track, and field. So in his professional career, he carried the ball 2,359 times for 12,312 rushing yards and 106 touchdowns, which were all records when he retired. He averaged 104.3 rushing yards per game and is the only player in the NFL history to average over 100 rushing yards per game for his career. And he was enshrined in the Football Hall of Fame in 1971. He was named to the NFL's 50th, 70th, and 100th anniversary all-time teams, comprising the best players in NFL history. He was also honored at the 2020 College Football Playoff National Championship as the greatest college football player of all time. And his number 32 jersey uh, is retired by the Browns. So uh, shortly after the end of his career, he became an actor, and he retired at the peak of his football career to pursue an acting career. He obtained uh, 53 acting credits and several leading roles throughout the 70s, and he's been described as Hollywood's first black action hero, and his role in the 69 film 100 Rifles made cinematic history for featuring interracial love scenes. So Brown was one of the few athletes and among the most prominent African Americans to speak out on racial issues as the civil rights movement was growing in the 50s. He participated in the Cleveland summit after Muhammad Ali faced imprisonment for refusing to enter the draft for the Vietnam War, and he founded the Black Economic Union to help promote economic opportunities for minority-owned businesses. He launched later a foundation focused on diverting at-risk youth from violence through teaching them life skills, through which he facilitated the Watts Truce between rival street gangs in Los Angeles. So... He was born in Georgia. Uh, his father was a professional boxer. His wife was a homemaker. Uh, his father, uh, his mother, I should say. And he attended Manhasset Secondary School in Manhasset, New York. He earned 13 letters playing football, lacrosse, baseball, basketball, and running track. In his college career, lawyer and Syracuse University lacrosse star Kenneth Malloy, who was involved with the lacrosse program in Manhattan, was a benefactor of Brown and persuaded his alma mater to admit him, which was difficult because, according to Malloy, uh, Syracuse did not want black athletes. And Brown was the only African-American player on the football team as a freshman in 53 and promises of a full scholarship in the second year of of the second half of the year, I should say, were not honored. Malloy personally financed and fundraised for Brown's first year at school. And then, of course, like Jackie Robinson, he endured racist taunts while he was at Syracuse. He was treated differently from teammates, and he was housed in a non-white dormitory. Dormitory warned against dating Caucasian women, and the coaching staff attempted to put him on uh, other positions, including punter, lineman, and wide receiver. So as a sophomore... He was the second leading rusher on the team, and as a junior, he rushed for 676 yards. That's 5.2 per carry. In his senior year, in 56, he was a consensus first-team All-American. He finished fifth in the Heisman Trophy voting and set school records for highest season rush average, 6.2, and most rushing touchdowns in a single game. He ran for 986 yards, third most in the country, despite Syracuse playing only eight games and scored 14 touchdowns. And in the regular season finale, a 61-7 route of Colgate, he rushed for 197 yards, scored six touchdowns, and kicked seven extra points for a school record 43 points. Then in the Cotton Bowl, he rushed for 132 yards, scored three touchdowns, and kicked three extra points, but a blocked extra point after Syracuse third down was the difference, 
as TCU won that game 28-17. to So as we know, he had great talent in basketball track and especially the cross. And as a sophomore, he was the second leading scorer for the basketball team, 15 points per game, and he earned a letter on the track team. In 1955, he finished in fifth place in the national championship decathlon. In his junior year, he averaged 11.3 points in basketball and was named the second-team All-American in lacrosse. His senior year, he was was named the first-team All-American in lacrosse. He had 43 goals in 10 games to rank second in scoring nationally. He was so dominant in the game that lacrosse rules were changed, requiring a lacrosse player to keep their stick in constant motion when carrying the ball instead of holding it close to the body, which is what they used to do. And there you go, you know, a person who revolutionized not just football, but lacrosse. And there is currently no rule in lacrosse that requires a player to keep their stick in motion. He is in the Lacrosse Hall of Fame and uh, an 800-square-foot tapestry depicting Brown in football and lacrosse uniforms with the words, greatest player ever. And while in college, he participated in the Reserve Officers Training Corps. After graduating, he was commissioned as a second lieutenant. And during his time in the NFL, Brown continued his military commitment as a member of the United States Army Reserve. He served for four years and was discharged with the rank of captain. So he was taken in the first round in the 57 draft by Cleveland, the sixth overall. In the ninth game of his rookie season against the Rams, he rushed for 237 yards, setting an NFL single-game record that stood unsurpassed for 14 years and a rookie record that remained for 40 After nine seasons in the NFL, he departed as the league's record holder for both single season, 1,863 yards and 63, and a career rushing 12,312 yards, as well as the all-time leader in rushing touchdowns. That was 106. 126 uh, total, and all-purpose yards, 15,549. He was the first player to reach the 100 rushing touchdowns milestone, and only a few others have done so since, despite the league's expansion to a 16-game season in 78. So Brown's record for scoring 100 touchdowns in only 93 games stood until a Damian Tomlinson did it in 89 games during the 2006 season. Brown holds the record for total seasons leading the NFL in all-purpose yards in 58, 61, and 64, and is the only rusher in NFL history to average over 100 yards per game for a career. In addition to his rushing, he was a superb receiver out of the backfield, catching 262 passes for 2,499 yards and 20 touchdowns, while he also added another 628 yards returning kickoffs. In every season he played, Brown was voted in the Pro Bowl, and he left the league in style by scoring three touchdowns in his final Pro Bowl game. So Brown's 1,863 rushing yards in the 63 season remained a Cleveland franchise record. It's currently the oldest franchise record for rushing yards out of the 32 teams. His average of 133 yards per game that season is exceeded only by O.J. Simpson's 73 season. So Brown led the league in rushing a record eight times. He's also the first NFL player to rush for over 10,000 yards. He was very difficult to tackle. Brown was famous for his stiff arm and combined speed, power, and relentless endurance as a rusher. After winning his third league MVP in 65, he retired in July 66 at the age of 30 while still in top form. He was in England for the shooting of a movie, The Dirty Dozen, and he expected to return to the Browns afterwards, but retired when team owner Art Modell threatened him with fines for missing training camp. And Brown then held the NFL rushing record, 12,312 yards, until it was broken by 
Walter Payton on October 7, 1984, during Payton's 10th NFL season. Brown is still the Browns' all-time leading rusher as of uh, 2018. He ranked 11th on the all-time rushing list. During Brown's career, Cleveland won the NFL championship in 64 and were runners-up in 57 and 65 in his rookie and final season, respectively. In his 64 championship, he rushed 27 times for 114 yards and caught three passes for 37 yards. So in his early films, uh, 19, uh, he began his acting career in 64. He played a Buffalo soldier in Rio Conchos. Uh, in 66, he was shooting his second film in London, MGM's The Dirty Dozen. Uh, he did a uh, uh, France uh, war movie, uh, World War II, uh, The D-Day Invasion. And uh, Brown's owner, Art Modell, as we said earlier, threatened to fine Brown $1,500. That was equivalent to 12500 in 2021. For every week, uh, he missed camp. Brown, who had previously said that 66 would be his last season, the final year of a three-year contract, announced his retirement instead. So MGM cast Brown in the first lead role in The Split, based on a Parker novel by Donald Westlake. He was paid 125000 for the role. He followed it by The Riot in 69, a prison film for MGM, uh, 100 Rifles in 69, and uh, he was billed over co-stars Raquel Welch and Burt Reynolds and had a love scene with Welch, one of the first interracial love scenes and first in a major Hollywood movie. Raquel Welch reflected on the scene in Spike Lee's Jim Brown All-American for this role. Brown was paid 200000 and received 5% of the film's box office, becoming one of the highest paid black actors. Then, of course, the Civil Rights Movement. He was one of the few athletes to speak out on racial issues in the 50s as the Civil Rights Movement was growing. Uh, Brown founded the Negro Industrial Economic Union, later known as the BEU, the Black Economic Union, to help promote economic opportunities for minorities. And other post-football uh, activities, uh, he posed nude at one point for Playgirl magazine in 74 and was one of the rare celebrities to allow full-front nude pictures to be used. He also worked on the color analyst at NFL telecast in 78, teaming with Vin Scully and George Allen for CBS. In 83, 17 years after retiring from professional football, Brown mused about coming out of retirement to play for the Raiders when it appeared that the Steelers running back Franco Harris would break Brown's all-time rushing record. Brown disliked Harris's style of running, criticized the Steelers running back's tendency to run out of bounds, a marked contrast to Brown's approach of fighting for every yard and taking on an approaching tackler. So eventually... Walter Payton of the Bears broke the record on October 7th, 1984, with Brown having ended thoughts of a comeback. And Harris, who retired after the 94, actually 84 season, after playing eight games with the Seahawks, fell short of Brown's mark. Following Harris's last season in that January, a challenge between Brown and Harris in a 40-yard dash was nationally televised. For those of you who remember, Brown, at 48 years old, was certain he could beat Harris. Though Harris was only 34 years old and just ended his elite career, Harris clocked in at 5.16 seconds and Brown in at 5.72 seconds, pulling up and towards the end of a race, clutching his hamstring. Whether or not he heard it or not, who knows. Uh, so he was the first black televised boxing announcer when he announced the televised boxing match in the United States for the Terrell Chevallo fight. He's also credited with the first suggested a career in boxing promotion to Bob Arum. 
Brown's autobiography was published in 1889 by Zebra Books, called Out of Bounds, and was co-written with Steve Delson. He was a subject of the book. And in 93, Brown has, was hired as a commentator at the Ultimate Fighting Championship, a role he occupied for the first six pay-per-view events. In 2008, he initiated a lawsuit against Sony and EA Sports for using his likeness in the Madden NFL video game series. He claimed that he never signed away any rights that would allow his likeness to be used. And from 2008 until his death, he served as an executive advisor to the Browns. In that capacity, he helped build relationship with the team's players and to further enhance the NFL's wide range of sponsored programs to the team's players' program department. In 2018, in October, Brown, along with Kanye West, met with President Trump to discuss the state of America among topics criticized by the black community for meeting. Brown said that Trump was the sitting president, and we can't ignore that seat and just call names of a person that's sitting in it. Brown called him accessible and said that the president was not a racist. Then, of course, we know about the assault charges. Uh, he was arrested at least seven times for assaulting uh, women during the era when the incidents occurred. Prominent men were usually not scrutinized for reporting offenses against women. He was never found guilty of any major crime. And in most cases, the women refused to press charges after calling police. In 65, Brown was arrested in his hotel room for assault and battery against an 18-year-old Brenda Ayers. He was later acquitted of the charges, and a year later he fought paternity allegations that he fathered her child. In 68, he was again charged with assault with intent to commit murder after model Eva Bon Chin was found uh, beneath the balcony of Brown's second-floor apartment. The charges were later dismissed after she refused to cooperate with the prosecutor's office. And Brown was also ordered to pay $300 fine for striking a deputy sheriff involved in the investigation during the incident. In Brown's autobiography, he stated that Bone Chin uh, was angry and jealous over an affair he had been having with Gloria Steinem, the feminist. And this argument is what led to the misunderstanding with the police. In 70, he was found not guilty of assault and battery, the charges stemming from a road rage incident that occurred in 69. And in 75, he was convicted of misdemeanor battery for beating and choking his golfing partner, Frank Snow. He was sentenced to one day in jail, two years probation, and fined $500. In 85, Brown was charged yet with raping a 33-year-old woman. The charges were dismissed. In 86, he was arrested assaulting his fiancée, Deborah Clark. Clark refused to press charges, and he was released. And in 1999, Brown was arrested and charged with making terroristic threats against his wife, Monique. According to Brown, the only time we ever had an argument is during her menstrual period, believe it or not. That's what he said. And later that year, he was found guilty of vandalism for smashing her car with a shovel. He was sentenced to three years probation, one year of domestic violence counseling, and 400 hours of community service, or 40 hours on a week crew, along with an $1,800 fine. Brown ignored the terms of his sentence, and in 2000 was sentenced to six months in jail, which he began serving in 2002 after refusing the court-ordered counseling and community service. He was released after three months. So he was married his first wife, Sue Brown, Jones in September of 59. She sued for divorce in 68, charging him with gross neglect. And together they had three children, twins born 1960 and a son in 62. Their divorce was finalized in 72. He was ordered to pay 2500 per month in alimony and 100 per week for child support. 
And in December 73, he proposed to an 18-year-old Diane Stanley, a Clark College student he met in Acapulco, Mexico, in April of that year. And they broke off their engagement in 74. Brown married his second wife, Monique, in 97. They had two children. So apparently... He died of natural causes on May 18th, 2023, just a few days ago, in his home in Los Angeles. He died with his wife by his side. Tributes from the sports world and beyond soon poured in with former NFL running back Barry Sanders posting on Twitter that you can't underestimate the impact Jim Brown had on the NFL. Emmett Smith, the NFL's all-time leader in rushing yards, wrote, he is and was a true legend in sports and in the community using his platform to help others. And NFL commissioner, current commissioner, Roger Goodell, said Brown was a gifted athlete, one of the most dominant players to ever step on any athletic field, but also a cultural figure who helped promote change. LeBron James, an NBA star, wrote in tribute that we lost a hero today, rest in paradise, to the legend Jim Brown. I hope every black athlete takes the time to educate themselves about this incredible man and what he did to change all of our lives. We all stand on your shoulders, Jim Brown. That was said by LeBron James. And finally, Barack Obama, the 44th president and the first black president of the United States, wrote, I was too young to remember Jim Brown's playing days, but I knew his legacy. One of the greatest football players ever, he was also an actor and activist speaking out on civil rights and pushing other black athletes to do the same. So, his memorable professional career led to his induction in the Hall of Fame in 71. His football accomplishments at Syracuse garnered him a berth in the College Football Hall of Fame in 95. He was inducted in the National Lacrosse Hall of Fame in 83. He's the only NFL player to average 100 yards per game for their career. In 118 career games, he averaged 104.3 yards per game and 5.2 yards per carry. Only Barry Sanders, 99.8 yards per game. And five yards per carry comes close to these totals. For example, Hall of Famer Walter Payton averaged only 88 yards per game during his uh, career with 4.4 yards per carry. Emmett Smith averaged 81.2 yards per game with a 4.2 yards per carriage. Brown held the yards per carriage record by a running back, minimum 750 carries from his retirement in 65 until Jamal Charles broke the record in 2012. And ESPN Sports Century in 99 ranked Brown fourth among the 50th greatest athletes of the 20th century, trailing only Muhammad Ali, Babe Ruth, and Michael Jordan. Not sure how he could trail them, but that's the way that looks. And his sporting news selected him as the greatest football player of all time, as he did the New York as did the New York Daily News in 2014. On November 4th, 2010, Brown was chosen by NFL Network's NFL Films production the top 100 NFL's greatest players as the second greatest player in the NFL behind only Jerry Rice and in November 2019 he was selected as one of the 12 running backs on the NFL 100th anniversary all-time team on January 13th 2020 he was named the greatest college football player of all time by ESPN during a ceremony at the college football playoff national championship celebrating the 150th anniversary of college football. So there you have it. Uh, look at certainly one of the great athletes. I'm never sure how they pick these things. I mean, how do you pick Muhammad Ali over Jimmy Brown? I guess because Muhammad Ali was internationally known. Uh, there was a uh, sports writer at the Hasty Pudding Award, which Harvard gives every year, and Muhammad Ali was uh, being honored, and one of the sports writers thought he was a wise ass, and so he said to Ali, 
uh, how does it feel uh, to be known uh, here in America? And he said, not only in America, but I'm known in Zanzibar as well. He tried to compare Ali to Babe Ruth, and Ali looked at the sports writer as he was standing asking the question and said, no one knew who Babe Ruth was in Zaire. And that's pretty much uh, put the uh, reporter back at his seat. Even though Ali graduated last in his class, 175th uh, at Louisville High School, he had a sharp tongue and a very keen mind. But I'm not sure how they really put you know, Jerry Rice over uh, Jim Brown. But nonetheless, uh, they both kind of revolutionized the sport. Uh, Jerry Rice with his uh, thieving prowess and, of course, Jim Brown, you know, he was like a gazelle. He would either run past you or he'd run over you like a freight train. So uh, we uh, respect what he did, even though he had some blemishes as a man, uh, football player who apparently had some anger problems and anger issues, but nonetheless uh, gave us some of the greatest football of all time. And so uh, we tribute the great Jimmy Brown, uh, who we uh, celebrate uh, in his death. Well, that'll about do it for our show today. Thanks so much for joining us on this segment of Sports Beat Radio Talking Sports, our tribute to the great uh, revolutionary player Jimmy Brown, who only played nine years, but uh, what an accomplishment. Just think what he would have done had he played longer. I don't know that anybody would have broken his records. It's kind of uh, the same record that Wilt Chamberlain has in 1962 when he scored 100 points against the Knicks in Hershey, Pennsylvania. That may be another record not broken. Sportsbeat's been a presentation of Mountain Metal Productions and Sportsbeat Radio. Thanks for joining us. All of you have a great day and great sports. We'll talk to you again tomorrow, everybody. Thank you for joining us.